Welcome to the Michigan Wild Podcast. We're just here walking around. We're going to go set a tree stand. Don't worry, my dad's weird. He never shot a huge buck before. I just shot a freaking big buck. That one. Oh, you hit him. Go get that one, Henry. Right here. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Michigan Wild. I am still on cloud nine after shooting my buck, uh, October 22nd. And uh, I haven't hunted again since. This is, you know, less than a week later, but doing this intro for this podcast because this is one that was recorded a few weeks before you're going to listen to this. Uh, you know, we're right in the thick of approaching in November rapidly in the end of October. So a lot of guys are starting to get out of town and take their hunting trips and their rutcations and all those things. That includes the people of Sportsman's Empire. You know, guys got trips planned, so we kind of had to bank up some episodes to have some stuff launch while we were all gone doing, you know, chasing our our passions and our hobbies. And I think I got a couple podcasts um, banked up. I don't know if I have enough. I think I might be one short, but instead of, you know, dragging on the last seven days, week three, I decided to have that get launched the same week that Find It Fred did just to give, you know, updated info as quick as possible. But uh, you will hear my, uh, you know, my redemption podcast that you guys hopefully already listened to that. That podcast is all about the buck I shot. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that and learned a lot of things. Um, that's, you know, that's what I like to strive to do for people is just kind of tell the story as much as I can, as well as I can to hopefully help people learn. That's how I feel like I've learned, you know, over the years, hearing other people's success stories and, you know, the non-successful ones and, Maybe you have a property that's similar or you can look at properties you can hunt differently and they can give you an opportunity to, you know, capitalize on the things that you do know. So this podcast is one with uh, Corey Tart. He's a guy that I went to high school with. He was a grade or two older than me. We were not friends by any means. We just would, every time we'd run into each other, we always had good conversation. And I think he knew and he knew I loved hunting and fishing and being outside. And I knew he did too. So we we uh, were just very similar minded in that. And then we, you know, when you're kids, there's a lot going on sports and stuff like that. But it was, he was always that guy. I was like, man, he likes to be outside doing stuff. Like if we spent more time with each other, it wouldn't be a bad thing, but it just never happened. But, you know, fast forward all these years, you know, following him through social media and I'm running into him occasionally in town. He's in town, you know, just seeing what he's done with his life and his career. It's quite, quite the cool thing. I mean, he started kind of, you know, raising dogs and training dogs and doing those kind of things for like upland and waterfowl hunting he's got a company that does that and then he also has a, a lodge uh grand celio celio i think is how you say it lodge it's out in south dakota and i mean he offers a lot of cool things he's got a lodge that people can stay at and he's got other property where you can do the more of an adventure hunt with a canvas tent and not only does he do water or uh, upland bird, I don't know if he does much waterfall, but he does like the pheasant thing, the sharp-tailed grouse. I mean, he does that. 
He also has the whitetail mule deer hunts. So this is the perfect time of year for you guys to listen to this because if you're like, man, I would love to go out west or do kind of a hunt, I mean, the Dakotas are just a wonderful place to do that and some really good opportunities for, you know, whitetails and mule deer and even like a pheasant hunt. Like I've been to North Dakota twice and that hunt was always end of October going into November. So I've given up some of my bow season to just go and experience the prairie, take a dog and chase pheasants. I mean, I mean, to me, hunting's no matter how you, you know, shake it down, if you find a passion, if that's small game, like my buddy Tyler, he loves doing that. You know, that's his big commitment or, you know, other guys that like, you know, chasing stuff with their hounds like Tony Hill. I mean, you just got to find something you like. And if you can bring someone, me and my cousin went one, one year out there doing that. I mean, it's just some great memories and just some good, clean fun. And, you know, in the world of today, you know, we have a lot of social media, so you have quite, quite the reach, but, uh, you know, the vet process for an outfitter doing that kind of thing, they're, they're not all created equal, unfortunately. But Corey is a guy that you can just tell, hopefully listen to him talk. He's tore up with us, and he loves seeing his dogs work. He loves seeing his clients being happy and doing those kind of things. So if it's something you've ever really wanted to get into, and, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to him and, you know, let him know that you heard the podcast and you want to give him an opportunity for some business and go have a fun time. I mean, not going to lie, that that canvas tent kind of hunt he offers is something me and my wife have uh, – been thinking about even before I did the podcast with him. I mean, I've reached out to him before, so I think that's in my near future, hopefully next year, but I, uh, I'm, t- I'm totally down with supporting someone I know and can relate to. So yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. Like I said, I might not have enough. I'm not sure exactly how many weeks I had I needed to be, but this should drop at some point in time. And then yeah, definitely going to be recording some podcasts for, you know, gun camp because November 15th is coming quick too. Uh, have some updates from Illinois. Hopefully we got a couple bucks in the ground by the time this podcast drops. So, hey, I appreciate all the support, guys. Hopefully you liked uh, like what you've been hearing the last few weeks. It's been quite a quite a fun uh, ride through this fall so far with hunting and doing these podcasts, and I love it. And hopefully uh, you guys do too. Enjoy the episode. Thank you. We're somewhere in the teens of hours apart. Um, but yeah, well, welcome, Corey Tart. How's it going, man? It's going good. How you been? Good, dude. Like we kind of touched base a little earlier. I've been just it's been hectic the last couple of years. I know we uh we've just known each other for a while, but we haven't really spent any of our adult life uh hanging out at all. It's all back when we we're teenagers, kind of a thing. But I've been busy and it's been good. I'm you know, construction games booming and you know, it's October, so I'm happy. So it's it's a good time of year for me. Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of grew up together a little bit. Same school, obviously, same town, but uh, went our separate ways. But I think, you know, even just catching up here a little bit before this started, having, you know, the common ground of the outdoors, it just brings you right back. I mean, that's that's the cool Absolutely. thing about the outdoors for, for everybody, and especially what I do now is there's always some way to find that common ground between who you're in the field with, so. 
Yeah, and you just make me jealous on social media. You know what I mean? You got doing this, what you do for your job with dogs and working at a lodge and all that. Like, you're kind of doing something that I think a lot of guys, you know, when you look from where we live, you know, you're out west. I mean, you're in South Dakota, correct? So, I mean, you're you're out west kind of living that life. And I've been out there a couple of times and it's like, man, dude, that's so cool that you get to do that. <laughs> so, why don't you kind of like tell us a little bit about you and your upbringing hunting and like how you got to be where you are right now? Yeah, so man, kind of long story. I don't know if we have enough time for that, but uh, bullet points, man, bullet points. You got yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I grew up in the outdoors, <clears throat> just like everybody. I mean, uh, my grandpa, my dad taking me out all the time. Squirrel hunting is what I started out doing as soon as I could safely hold a pellet gun. You know what I mean? And then uh, you know that turned into bunny hunting with my dad and his beagles to turned into bird hunting with my grandpa and his pointers to deer hunting. Um, you know, and then fast forward to like high school and everyone grilling you about what you want to do for a living and not really having any idea. Um, I literally sent out some emails to go guide for some people. I had, I had trained kind of got help training some pointers when I was younger. Um, I had a couple dogs and I uh, wanted to go help train and learn how to do it, uh, and guide and moved to Georgia when I was, uh, 23. Yeah. Let's say you're young. I had some odd and end, yeah. I had some odd and end jobs, obviously out of high school and everything. Um, but, uh, packed, sold everything, sold my truck, sold everything basically besides guns and packed up, moved to Georgia. I lived in a guy's garage for a year for free. And uh, they took me in. I stayed there for three years. And then they had an opportunity in upstate New York to run an outfitter and a dog kennel there where I kind of went more the dog training route versus hunting and guiding. We still did a little bit of it, but it was all about field trials and hunt tests. And um, we did that for three years and then started our own company, uh, the dog park, which was formerly known as uh, Great Lakes Retrievers. And then... Got an opportunity in South Dakota to come out and guide. It was just for uh, to help out a buddy who used to guide at a lodge. Uh, he was having some surgery, and I helped out. And then it turned into what we have now, where we we took over management. We moved out here, and now we have ownership. And yeah, That's so awesome. And how long have you been doing that? Where you're at right now? Five years. This is the nice. fifth year I've been in South Dakota. Yep. So cool. So do you still do like the dog training and stuff like that? Like what, what kind of, what encompasses your like year, I guess. Yeah. So <clears throat> we'll start off around April. I get all our dogs in for training. Uh, when I was in Michigan, we had like a, you know, it was like almost 40 dogs, 30 to 40 dogs. And that was field trials every weekend trying to stay, you know, kind of top of the game. Uh, when I moved out here and took over the outfitting part of it, we downsize the kennel obviously but we we get all our dogs in around april we start training we got we built designed dog training ponds and we have all the cover in the world for upland and uh so we do that throughout the summer and early fall and then um then comes hunting season so part of the training season is is done with um 
we do a lot of farming as far as like cover and food plots, not your typical farming. We're not doing like ag or anything like that, but a lot of property restoration, property management um, for birds and, and deer and everything we can do. And then we jump into right, right into our hunting season and lodge season nice. there. So Very nice. And like you do, like when you're talking about like your hunting season, that that's upland bird, that's waterfowl, that's whitetail, mule deer too, right? Yeah, so we don't do a lot of waterfowl. That's that's uh, okay. as far as guiding is concerned. That's that's all personal. Okay. Um, but we do upland prairie chicken. Hold on one second. Do prairie chicken? Yeah. I shot. I've shot a couple of those. <laughs> those yeah. Things. So yeah, we, that was my first do, uh, my first experience in North Dakota. I got to shoot a prairie chicken, and I got one mounted on the wall yeah. here by me. Uh, those are those are fun to shoot. <laughs> yeah. So we have. We have about uh, 800 acres here on East River, South Dakota. I don't know if anyone recognizes how South Dakota is kind of split up. It's split up by the Missouri River there. Mm-hmm. They, they break up the entire state, licensing everything, East River, okay. West River. So where our lodge is, uh, we have about 800 acres. Then we lease another 700 uh, for upland whitetail. And then West River over by Rapid City, I lease 13,000 acres for whitetail, sharpies, grouse, um, and mule deer. So awesome. um, we kind of span the whole state a little bit. It gets a little crazy during hunting season between our our West River. I call it West River Camp. It's a wall tent set up. Um, People fly into Rapid City. They come stay in a wall tent. We bird hunt. We deer hunt. You know, it's kind of the whole, whole gig. And then when you come over east river at our lodge um we've got a 12 bedroom uh lodge we just put a new addition on this year for big great room and everything and uh do a lot of our pheasant hunting and whitetail out of here that's so cool but, i mean that, that's what i like about going like when i went to north dakota the first couple times i liked it so much because it was so different but there was like so much space you know like yeah to do things and like you know we're shooting pheasants we're shooting prairie chickens we're shooting hungarian partridge and then everywhere we went there's whitetail like you know running around we i mean i saw some just giant bucks like the the biggest probably score non-typical buck i've ever seen was in north dakota and he popped out of a sunflower field you know and you you like it's in the middle of nowhere and this just giant deer is there so it's like that the plains kind of you know like the 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 river bottom area it's just so unique and so cool being from michigan to go there and like michigan's a lot of cool areas in michigan but you don't quite get that vast feel in michigan you know yeah it's a it's a different feel it's hard to get hard to get used to bird hunting kind of falls into place with dogs and everything that that i do professionally with with the dogs before we came out here but as far as deer hunting um it was a little bit of an adjustment i mean you know we're not taking i mean we have a rifle area a rifle zone in michigan but uh you know you could probably do most of it with a shotgun absolutely Um, (laughs) you get out here and you can see 15 miles um and like you said, I mean, you, you see some of the biggest deer you've ever seen. I think personally, and I, you know, you call it bias if you want, but South Dakota, North Dakota, huge sleeper states for big whitetail, obviously big mule deer. That's, that's well known. But as far as whitetail are concerned, I mean, you can't drive around for three days and not see the biggest deer you've seen if you're coming from the East Coast. Yeah. Um, and it's constant. Uh, they're all over the place out here. So the genetics are good. Obviously, there's a lot of food. Um, and then you get more West River type, and it 
comes into like the river breaks and creek bottoms and all the the southern river shoots that come off of the Missouri, um, like the Cheyenne and um, any of the creeks that feed out of the the mountains. I mean, all that terrain change out there is it's unreal to be able to hunt it, and it's it's different. I mean, it's not your not typical easy. stand yeah, hunting, correct? Blind hunting. It's everything we do out here is spot and stock, and it is. That's so it's, cool. Uh, it's hard to do. It's it's not impossible, 100%. Um, it's hard to do, but it is, I wouldn't go back to it uh, if you paid me to. Um, I, I don't mind sitting in a stand. I don't mind sitting in a blind, but being able to spot and stalk a whitetail, which I thought was impossible. I could barely move in a tree stand when I was a kid without them seeing me. To be able to spot and stalk them on the, on the prairie, uh, unreal. So cool. There's there's no adrenaline rush like it. Yeah, like I mean I've I've yet I mean I've shot some deer on the ground in Michigan, like and like in Illinois we've had a property we hunted a couple times, and I did try like sneaking up on some deer like a grassy you know field, and I actually passed a buck at like 18 yards, and he had, like there was a doe that had we got worked through by another deer, so I just kind of like moved up and I caught this buck like working you know through this grass and i was like this is some tree you know mixed in so it's like optimal for me to be on the ground and like make a move so i saw him probably 150 yards away and i'm like i bet he's gonna go right where those other deer went so i made it like you know 30 40 yard move and that buck came by 18 yards you know tongue hanging out breath is just you're you felt like that 18 yards felt like eight feet you know because you're just yeah. like not used to it <clears throat> what a yeah what i should have shot the deer because it'd been so cool but he was probably only like yeah. 115 inch deer but still it was just like a cool experience and i can't imagine waking up you know for multiple days in a row being able to have opportunities like that and granted like you said it's not a guarantee it's really hard but all day you're you're peaked like you're constantly like, especially when you're like, I'm going after that deer. You have that adrenaline pumping for much longer than tree stands, a lot of weight in and you try to keep yourself up, you know, and be ready for the moment, but it could be there and gone in 30 seconds, you know? So yeah, that's a cool thing. But I want to kind of like dig into like the bird aspect of it. What is your favorite kind of dog to like pheasant hunt and do stuff there? Do you kind of have like a set, like what you like to do or like you like to do for the clients or what kind of, how do you kind of attack that for, for pheasant hunting or upland bird hunting? Uh, I mean, my favorite dog to hunt over is an English pointer. Um, I grew up with German short hair pointers, but uh, the English pointer for me, as far as guiding, if, if you know, there were eight days in a week, they'd sign up for nine. Uh, they just, <laughs> they go all day. They don't quit. Uh, you know, I can finish an entire guide season here in South Dakota and head down to Georgia and guide quail and then jump to Texas. And they're just as fresh as they were day one. It's, it's unreal, but a lot of, a lot of our stuff kind of depends on the bird too. So pheasant hunting, you can do a lot of pointer stuff. Like if, if we're at our lodge and we've got like a corporate goop or something like that, we're going to have, um, typically we're going to use labs, which is a flushing situation. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like controlled chaos. The dogs are within range, within gun range. You don't really know when a bird's going to get up unless you, you know, you're watching the dogs constantly and you kind of know what's going on, but then you're just surprised with birds, you know, identify, take a safe shot. Um, and then you get to see the bird, the dog work after that as well with, with retrieving and possibly handling and things like that. Uh, smaller groups, uh, five and less. I like to break out the, the pointers, um, it's a little easier to get limits. Um, mm -hmm. you know, when you got five or less to do with the pointer, if you got 10 guys, 12 guys in the field to do it, you know, one bird at a time is 
that's a, that'd be a long two weeks and no yeah, one's staying for here sure. for two weeks straight. So yeah, for <laughs> sure, know, yeah. You got to break out the pointers. But the the times I've been out there, you know, we went as a pretty you know decent group, like four or five of us, and we've had yeah. pointers typically. But I brought my lab the one year because my pointer up passing. I had a white German short hair pointer, and yeah, like it's super cool because all right, he's covering a bunch more ground than the lab does. Box <clears> on point, you got to hustle over there, and then it flushes a bird, but there's a good chance it's a hen, you know, so you can't even shoot yeah. it. So then you got to restart yeah. that whole endeavor again. Then we took our lab out there. We were hammering these slews and he, the labs are not as finesse, you know, they're more like, just like blow through Control this area. Chaos, man. It's... Yes. Like you said, perfect. And you're just like me and my cousin, we're kind of partnered up and we're like, all right, man, like send them in there. And you're just waiting and you're walking. Like you said, it's like rabbit hunting with birds, you know, like all of a sudden yeah. there goes one, you know, and yeah, yeah, we we did actually did have a lot more opportunities that way. Granted, they weren't as like good of an opportunity because like when you walk up to a pointer, you kind of feel a little more confident. You can kind of prepare yourself, but it's a lot right. of fun when there. It's a lot of fun both ways. So I think that's kind of cool that you do that, have that yeah. technique. So now, when you like transition to like, when is there time for you to get out and do this kind of stuff? Because you always hear yeah. you know, guidings, the it's awesome. And you, you kind of hunt through your clients and do that kind of stuff. Do you f- get opportunities yourself to still get out there with a gun in your hands and, you know, enjoy it or how does that work? Uh, you know, if my clients are missing quite a bit, I'll, I'll, I'll break out the 28 gauge and, you know, <laughs> knock a few down for them. So how it's done. No, yep, just, there you go. <laughs> um, 28 gauge you know, loaded super light you know yeah. bbs you know yeah yeah we're talking skeet shot <laughs> yep. improved cylinder yeah i mean you know just to show them how it's done yeah um no <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it's a it, we started off this talking about you know kind of like there's there's envy and and watching guides and possibly dog trainers out there and stuff like that upland or big game whichever one it is but uh it's a grind um my favorite time of year is the is the time of year that I'm the busiest, and I never thought that was going to be that way growing up. But um, you know, I know people I grew up with. You're you're one of them. Um, probably better outdoorsman than I am. But uh, you know, there's no hacks on my side or your side or anyone else's side that we grew up with. But uh, some people have to pull the trigger, and some people don't. Um, I enjoy every bit of the hunt. And as far as the bird side of it comes, um, being able to watch the dogs is really the only thing that I care about. Um, Mm -hmm. Watching the dogs, that's why I've been training for 12 years now professionally. That's that's the only job I've had. It's not a side job. Uh, And then the outfitting business as well now. But uh, to be able to watch the dogs, it's kind of taken place of the field trials that I used to do, spend so much time training these dogs, and then going out and competing. Now I get to spend all this time and still showcase them to people, but through a hunting situation that they get to take a memory home with. Um, so I get to hunt, you know, <clears throat> every once in a while. I'll, I'll go scout in between trips, uh, especially West River when it comes to like Sharpies and Prairie Chicken. Uh, when I go down for quail down south, um, I'll go get the dogs used to the heat, things like that. And uh, we'll take a couple days. And obviously, I still want to have, you know, the, the dog success as well. So we'll shoot a couple. Um, I do have a, a trip in the works here coming up. Uh, hopefully, it'll be about a five-year it's only going to be a couple weeks at a time, but I want to complete the Upland Slam. So, uh, but I want to do that with all my dogs. 
Um, so we're gonna we're gonna try to accomplish that here in the next couple of years, Sweet. and uh, try to document it as much as we possibly can. And um, deer hunting is kind of few and far between. I get a couple times a year to be able to do things. Uh, my biggest thing is uh, spring bear. I like going in the mountains, and that's my slow time. So yep. go stay in for you know ten to fourteen days and try to kill spring bear in the mountains, that's either cool. in Montana or Idaho or something like that. But uh, I got the opportunity to take my dad out. You know, he's the one that got me into the outdoors. Uh, he came for the first week of archery this year for spot and stock. It's uh, uh, either or for archery in South Dakota. So either mule deer or whitetail. And he got to kill a really old, cool eight point full velvet. First one. I got to guide him, but it was Sweet. still kind of a father son hunt. That's so uh, cool. kind of a dream hunt for me. Um, so that was, that was really cool. So there's, there's a lot of benefits to it, obviously, but uh, yeah, as far as time being able to get out, just, strictly by myself it's not uh i, I guess we just kind of look at it a little differently uh, time in the woods is time in the woods for me so and i think that like my first like real guided experience was in uh, wyoming on spring bear this year me, me and ashley went and did that had a guy full yeah. guided hunt and talking with them guys and spending you know a week in the mountains with them i like it was very apparent that to do that for a job you get the fulfillment and like exactly how you were saying you know like them dudes loved it. Like, yeah. and the whole time I'm just there, like walking around, smiling on my face, like just happy to be there and do that. You know, this is the coolest experience. And uh, my wife was joking with me. She's like, I, she's like, I literally felt like super sad that the reason that like, you weren't able to be a guide is because you married me. You know, and I was like, hey, <laughs> come on, you can't do that. You know, I'm like, I'm a dude that loves the outdoors. And of course, I'm going to be like that because I'm there one week. You know, it's not like it's got yeah. an opportunity to be like, like, you know, talking to them They're, You know, they still love it. But they're like, we don't even really it's hard to appreciate the mountains when we see them every day. The same as like you guys do. So every time we take clients or you guys fly in from the, you know, the east side of the, the country and you see these mountains, just seeing how much you guys love it, like refreshes us and like keeps yeah. it you know keeps it really exciting for us we love to do it but and then you know you're touching base on like how dogs work like you know i have beagles i've had for quite a few years and like did a lot of rabbit hunting so i have two beagles and i've had like a german shorter pointer and i've had a lab and now i have like one of those uh, uh frank he's a wired hair pointing griffon so you know he's a he's a working dog and like it's really hard to i almost feel like bad because i can't take him out as much like if i lived out west you know you can do a lot more right. opportunities with them but it's like hard to explain to people that aren't used to seeing like hunting dogs how like much fulfillment you get out of watching them do what they're they're made to do and uh it's it's really tough to it's really tough to explain but if you just take someone one time i think the light bulb just goes off for people and that's why i like i went to north dakota two years and when we get to go there, you know, you were kind of touching base on before we started recording, but it's like the third weekend in October, like you're saying. So we would always like be there like October 30th, 31st, somewhere in there. And then we'd stay there for like eight days. So like I was missing out. I was not bow hunting whitetails the first few days of November. And I was okay with it because watching dogs work and doing that out there was that fulfilling for me. And I loved it. Like it was like, I wasn't even that sad that I wasn't home bow hunting because it's just such a great experience. So anyone who's kind of, you know, listening to this, like I wanted to do this podcast even right now, though it's not going to be like a whitetail focused podcast, but there's opportunities for guys to get out there and just enjoy something different. And, 
you know, yeah, maybe you're missing a couple good days of hunting possibly, but when you go out and experience like the prairie and watch dogs work, it's all day fun. Like it's, you know, we yeah. walked miles, like we're driving all over. We're like, we were doing the whole plot program thing. You know, you're just bombing to this part of the state and you're staying in these little motels and we just, it was just a great time. So that's why yeah. I kind of want to do that because like, that's an opportunity for you to get out there. Like you can take like a, a cousin who I've never hunted with before. We got to go do yeah. that. You're going with people that you've never been before. It's lackadaisical to an extent. I mean, you're determined, but you're just out there just seeing country. You, you walk over this like small little hillside, get up on top of it. And it is like the most pretty view. But I can't even right. explain. You just look like you said, you can see 15 miles. There's not a light. There's not a building. It's just wide open, you know, and then there's right. snow geese flying. There's, you know, ducks and spots. There's, you hear pheasants, you know, sounding off or whatever they Bruce do when they're growing. Yeah. Like, oh gosh, yeah. dude, it is just, it's just an experience well, that I, if you haven't done it, you know, it's awesome. Whenever I get a free time from guiding, you know, an off day from bird hunting or something like that, you know, running the dogs, even when I'm guiding, but running the dogs and kind of taking them into a spot that may not have a whole bunch of birds, but being able to look at that property differently, just because I'm, I'm running the dogs, but I'm also looking for deer and possible sheds or anything like that. I mean, bird hunting for me has always been, I've, I've killed some of my biggest deer because I've scouted an area while bird hunting and then returned to that area later to, to try to capitalize on either, you know, a scrape or a shed I've found or something like that, knowing that, Hey, you know, this is probably his bedroom. This is probably his travel corridor to food, um, to water, everything like that. Um, and to be able to look at the land differently like that, but you're doing it in such a, you know, you're not just out there scouting for you're hunting and enjoying other parts of, and you can do that squirrel hunting and stuff. I mean, I grew up doing that with, with yep. just squirrel hunting and, and bunny hunting as well. Um, yeah. You're taking it and, all in. You're like, you're, 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 you're being an outdoorsman, which, you know, you hear a lot yeah. of people talk about this woodmanship thing that's kind of lost nowadays, but I think all it really is, is just like getting out there enjoying, you know, being outside, but just like taking in your surroundings and learning how all animals use different properties. And like, if you learn what kind of like terrain, like rabbits like to run in or like, when you flush a rabbit and how it like the dogs circle it, it's like, okay, they really like, you know, hanging out in this kind of a cover. And so you're walking properties and you like, like me and Tyler Thompson, you know, we've gotten to the point where we like can drive by a property from the road and we have a really good inclination if that's going to be a good deer hunt spot or a good rabbit hunt spot, you know, just because you learn those things and then you can check stuff when you, you know, take, take on like a big chunk of state land. We're going through and looking at the map and we're like just checking off spots. And it's like, as a rabbit hunt, we're like, all right, good rabbit spot, terrible deer spot. Good deer spot, right. terrible rabbit spot. You know, like you can just go through and you just become a really well-rounded outdoorsman. And then all these, you know, you just get to enjoy it. And I think that's, at the end of the day, no one's going to care how many mounts I have on the wall. You know what I mean? No one's going to really care how many stuff I've shot. It's all personal thing for me. Like that's what I enjoy out of life. And I think as you can take advantage of those opportunities, that's that's pretty cool. But on the flip side, you know, when we're, you know, looking at you from a distance, you know, it's like, man, Corey's living this life where he's guiding and out there doing that. But like, you don't see on social media, you don't see all the work that goes into yeah. what you do. Like I've like Tony Hill, you know, he's got like, he's getting, he started getting these bigger dogs. So he's like trying to do the bear dog thing and chasing coyotes yeah. and doing all these things. And like, I see what he goes through, like in a summer, just trying to train his dogs. He's got to drive right. hours to find it and, you know, do the, all when you just see a picture of a deer or of a bear in a tree with his dogs going crazy, you're like, man, that's so cool. But like, 
you have no idea the backstory like yeah. to that and like you're doing this as a full-time gig like there's a yeah. lot of pressure there's a lot of work there's a lot of like behind the scenes stuff that like you just can't appreciate until you actually like live it i guess right i mean you i'm not better than anybody else it's it's just hard work and how much how much i want to be here i mean it's to be able to not really know what i wanted to do coming out of high school besides you know mess around and hunt i mean i wanted to hunt and fish that's all i wanted to do and how mm -hmm. can you do that well just being able to do that probably wasn't going to happen so i kind of found the next best thing for me and it worked out but uh yeah i mean the hard work i mean we talked about it at the beginning i i literally just packed up said see you later i'm taking it off on a chance and uh you know lived in someone's garage for a year yeah, it, you know it was a well-known it was a well-known well outfitter it's not like i just like pick pick some southern country guy and, and did it but uh you know that was it was kind of the deal like you know you can live here for free it's it's basically uh you know a twin bed in his garage and uh you know that's what it was but Chase my dream i wanted game. it so mm -hmm. bad and uh you know i pursued it so um but yeah every day to get better every year get better um i have my clients stop messing with the dang lights around here hey you're fine <laughs> um uh keeps it entertaining so, for me I, like i got a little light shoe going I mean, on it's just, <laughs> um i think they lost some lights here we put in our new addition and uh give me a second i apologize no, oh, so you need me to come over there and do some construction work for you, is what you're oh saying. Oh my goodness! Yeah, well, building blew down once. Yeah, just to let you know about that. Oh geez. Yeah, that was fun. Nice. nice. Yeah, our addition. We put our addition out and it blew down once, and then. Uh, well, it gets windy out there in the prairie. Yeah. You know, that's that is no joke. Here. Dude, I remember when I was in North Dakota, we had like. The first few days we were like hunting in t-shirts, you know, it's nice getting sunburned and like wake up the next morning. There's like snow on the ground. Trucks are ice shut. And it was like the most miserable I've been ever hunting. Oh, yeah. you're like you're here. You might as well hunt. And it's like drizzling, sleeting, windy, and you're just frozen solid. I was like, what? We, Literally less than 24 hours ago, I was like getting sunburned. What is this? We just like, had yeah. it for a, uh, a youth hunt out here. So the youth season starts and then the resident season starts and then the non-resident. So we had a youth hunt and it was full of mentored hunters, um, which are, um, so in South Dakota, you can do a mentorship. So I like mentor my child. Um, when I'm in the field, if I feel that they're safe and they can hunt, um, I just can't carry a gun. Um, okay. so we had a whole bunch of those. We've been doing those for the last four years out here. It's turned into a huge group. Um, it's, it's one of my favorite hunts of the year. Um, but, uh, when <clears throat> we did that, you know, early October, you know, South Dakota is a little different, but early October is, is usually pretty nice. And it was like 38 and downpouring for the first two days. Oh man. And it was That's the worst. <laughs> okay. So now we're trying to balance, like we want the kids to get out and shoot. We want them to hunt, but at the same time, I don't want it to be a miserable experience either. So mm -hmm. we're picking our, you know, our turns to come in to get warmed up and, you know, have hot cocoa and then go back out and it's, you know, raining, sleeting. It was, uh, it was a big to do for a three day, three day hunt. The last day we tried to make the most of it, get out early and, 
and uh, knock some birds down and have have the best time as possible. But yeah, it was the weather always plays some sort of trick in there. But um, yeah. Mother Nature is your is your worst enemy, and you know also is your blessing. You know, like how that works. Like you can have just an amazing fall because of it, and you can have just adversity yeah. every day. So. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. You get to do that. And, you know, I like think back to like all the times that I, if I look back, some of my like core memories of like being in the outdoors, uh, you know, ice fishing, maybe the grappa or, you know, chasing, chasing deer, or, you know, my dad or whatever it may be. I remember just sometimes, some days you're just miserable, you know, but then that might be a day someone shot something and it sticks in my brain. Like, Hey, we toughed it out. You know, like you did something, you feel like an adult because you were able to like overcome some of this adversity and uh, I think it kind of like, and maybe some kids, you know, will, you know, live that life and they might not, you know, want to continue. But I know for me, it just made me want it that much more. And it kind of helped mature me as a, as a hunter and outdoorsman. So pretty cool experience yeah. to get to do that every year. And, you know, kind of, you know, you don't know, you're, you're, you, you're, you might be in, you know, inflicting like generational, you know, change in families, like helping them get into it and their kids will get to it and like, you're doing your part, which is pretty, pretty cool to be in that position of, to have that opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I getting people in the outdoors for all of us as outdoorsmen, not just guides, but anybody who enjoys the outdoors, whether it's fishing, hunting, you know, even hiking and camping, everything like that. It's, you know, it's about being out there and there's, there's a piece that comes with being out there. I think that you can probably speak to obviously as well. Um, you know, when I go for spring bear, um, I'm not guiding. So I don't, you know, my job is it, I stress myself out. It's not a stressful job, but I stress myself out trying to make sure everyone's having a good time. Um, and obviously successful at the same time. Um, safety, you know, we're dealing with rattlesnakes, which I didn't grow up with. So that learning that whole thing is all over the place. Dogs getting bit, trying yeah. to figure out how to do that. Oh, gosh. Um, but like, you know, there's a piece, whether you don't have to hunt or fish to get out in the wilderness and find the piece out there um, and to reset. And if you can even give just an ounce of that, whether they continue to hunt like they do with us here for generations or not, um, it's, it's a pleasure to be able to just hope to instill a little bit of wanting to get back out there. You know what I mean? What I get for using a computer from like, dude, it might be 2014. I bought this MacBook Air for my wife way back when, when she worked at a job and was like, yeah, we'll buy it for you. And, and it, it's been a good computer for her. She got through her BSM program. And then when she, uh, she started her masters, we needed like a little bit more reliable computer because she was having the same issue. I just had to just randomly freeze and didn't turn <laughs> off. So I like took this computer over and have used it for work last few years. And now it, it actually works pretty good for podcast. If it wouldn't, if it wouldn't freeze on this Google meet thing, but I has two USB ports still, so I can connect two mics to it. And this mic I'm using, if I have someone come in, so I'm like, dude, I don't spend any more money on this. If I have to, I'm rocking it. And I kind of know how to use it <laughs> a little bit. So we're just, we're just using hey. it. But yeah, thankfully right. this, thankfully what we did do before this recorded and it, I got a notification that it was processing. So we didn't lose it which is good, but I kind of want to like, what kind of uses the transition kind of go more into like your whitetail hunts. Like you kind of touch base on how you have early season, you know, velvet hunts, you know, which is like a spot and stock thing. Um, which I almost, if I wasn't already went to Wyoming this year and have Illinois lease and Iowa hunt, I was totally wanting to go with me and Ashley, like really wanted to go this year, but it was just like, eh, maybe we should, you know, 
maybe do a different year because we already got everything else going on. But now yeah. I kind of want to roll into like um, I'm assuming you have some rut hunts that you uh, that you do do or like during the rut time because they're you know the gun season stuff like that. So maybe if you want to kind of like because you have like a different experience, like you're seeing these deer rut from a distance and like over, you know, you can kind of get eyes on them. Maybe if that is the case, you know, a lot of spot and stock stuff. I know there's some like <laughs> bottoms and things like that they can hide in, but maybe if you want to kind of bring us into like when you kind of start doing some of your whitetail hunts during the rut, uh, if that be gun hunting primarily, or if that's bow hunting, want to kind of like touch base with like kind of how you do that. Yeah. For us out here, um, well to go into the rut, uh, kind of to compare the rut from Michigan to South Dakota is just a, it, um, it's a, it's a learning experience. And I don't mean that like you're far behind if you're from Michigan and then come to South Dakota and you just don't understand it. It's the fact that you can watch it from afar has given me so many tools to learn <clears throat> versus, you know, the quick bursts of a, a, a buck chasing a doe in a field or a buck chasing a doe in a bottom and a, in a uh, timber area or something like that in Michigan. Um, I mean, I can watch the whole sequence, everything. I mean, for hours, it's, it's unreal. I get to watch the big buck chase a doe. And then I get to watch from, you know, 800 yards away, two doe or two little bucks <clears throat> trail that doe that that buck just pushed an hour beforehand. And then, that those two bucks get too close and that buck comes up and runs them off. And then he goes back to his, I mean, I get to watch the whole process out here. So, um, it's, it's a learning experience, meaning that you get to learn so much about whitetail by watching that happen out here because you can see forever. Um, most of our rut actually happens, uh, I mean, I see a lot of things happen. Obviously, early, you're going to see your young bucks always try to chase early. That would be kind of no different than seeing, you know, a young dog versus an old dog uh, chase a female. <clears throat> um, they're going to start fairly early. They don't know really what's going on. Uh, but that first in November has been special for me with, you know, and I'm not saying I haven't killed a giant, but, um, you know, 140s i've got a mid 150 um that we've we've put on the ground um a 162 uh all happen archery that first week or that first week and a half in november um where they just hit the ground running and yep. get after it and That's it's just awesome. um doing it in in michigan you know and maybe i was taught wrong but the rut happens and it's always like right next to gun season. And that's when the rut is. Um, and you, and then you start watching it as you grow up, obviously. And you kind of learn that it kind of changes a little bit and there's different things that can, that can set it off and the patterns and, you know, your cold fronts and everything like that can set everything off. Um, but out here, it's definitely, it definitely happens. I think earlier, more consistently here in South Dakota. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a lot of spot and stock. It's a lot of sit and watch and wait. Um, if he's got a doe and he, you know, he takes her back somewhere and beds her down for a couple of days and tries to figure out, um, how to keep his bucks away, um, how to play that scenario. We've done it with decoys. Um, you know, you're sitting three, four or 500 yards away, watch them put a doe away, watch a, a little buck come up 
and all he does is pick his doe up and take off. And you know that's not a time mm-hmm. to run a decoy. And then there's other times where, you know, a spike comes up and he goes and runs after it. And it's like, okay, well let's let's try the decoy. And he comes, I mean, he'll come right at you. And that makes that's it so as cool. easy as possible. <laughs> Crazy adrenaline rush. Yeah. But dude. as easy as possible if you can pull off the right alignment and you're not outside your decoy and everything like that. Um but being able to watch all that, that's, that's the thing is like, when do you do this and how do you do this? We get to actually watch it and play the whole game out in a scenario. So when you're spotting and stalking hunting in South Dakota, but like even more specific to the rut, a hunt isn't your typical hunt in Michigan, right? You'll usually have like a, you know, you have a morning hunt and an evening hunt and that's kind of your day. Like a hunt is you've, you've located the deer and now you're going to dedicate that day and possibly another day and another day, depending on what it is to get it done, whether you're doing it for private um, or personal use um, on private land or public land, um, or if it's, you know, me guiding or whatever it is, it's, it's a, it's a chess match that I'm hyper competitive. I always have been as a kid and now I get to go up against not a white tail and try to you make this were all competitive. Man. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> so to, <laughs> to be able to go up against a white tail and walk up within 60 yards of it and get uh, either myself or a client an opportunity um, is man. And it's, Dude. it's a, it's a drawn out process. We all know that like we have places to be and deer don't. Right. They just have to survive. So to be able to play it out like that and use the wind constantly. And I mean, it, it's a big chess game and there's, there's nothing more fun than doing a spot and stock hunt. And especially, I mean, I'm an archery guy through and through. I have nothing wrong with rifles. I own a rifle. I rifle hunt. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I'm not one of those guys, but uh, if you gave me a choice, it would be archery every day. I just can't imagine like the anticipation that builds from like whenever this starts, when you locate a deer and you have like, you don't, you locate deer in Michigan or in these other States through trail cameras, you know, like you, you, it's so hard to glass. Like there's spots in Michigan you can glass, but you're not locating bucks like the way you guys can. So like, I'm just thinking if I locate a buck, it's like, yep, that's a deer I'm after. He's mature. Who cares? what you know maybe if it's a 140 if it's a 130 gnarly old eight point like whatever that is once you have acquired your target and then you have uh days and hours invested in seeing this deer and then you finally that anticipation builds the closer you get the closer you get and then for all that to come through like dude the the fist pumps and the celebration you have to have with your guides or your clients has got to be just unreal because like yeah I barely see like I barely see a deer that I'm gonna shoot. The amount of time I see him is like minimal. We're talking like I'm lucky if it's minutes, you know, it's usually seconds and it's either comes and goes and it's like drawn that. out. And it's drawn out. Like the way I explain it, and this is uh, I wanted to bring this up earlier. The way I explain it with like, you know, when we're doing spot and stock or when you're scouting in Michigan, um, or any kind of anywhere east coast area, Midwest, further east, Midwest, but um, you're doing that through a long drawn out process. It's, you know, you're putting a lot of time in the woods, just like we are out West, um, trail cameras, 
walking trails, shed hunting, maybe in the spring, trying to figure out, I mean, everything you're sitting on the roads, glassing, soybeans, whatever you can do. Um, when we do it, it's all compacted into possibly like a week. I mean, we find deer. Now I go out, you know, I'll go out in August. I'm, I'm out in a tent, you know, two weeks, I'm home for a week, then two weeks, I'm home for a week. And then, you know, August or September rolls around. I'm, I got a pretty good understanding of what's on that, you know, like 13,000 acres out there and what we want to take and what's management, what's does, uh, what's trophy. Um, but there's always surprises. I didn't see it all. Um, but at the same time, when it comes down to the hunt, that particular week is, is, as you guys know, um, when you're, every week in October is different. Every week in November is different. It's the same thing when we take clients out. Like I can, I can scout all I want in August. All it does is give me a body count. Um, and, and what I want to pursue when I get there, we're trying to do all the scouting in a week and hunt at the same time. And it's, it could be, you could take it as a little harder. You could take it as maybe a little easier because we can see far and we can locate them. Um, I just take it as, you're doing everything that we love and throwing it into a week at the same time. And it's just, you get to scout, you get to figure out that deer, you get to learn the deer and then you get to pursue the deer and hopefully, you know, you don't make a silly mistake. And yeah, the wind doesn't do something stupid or you can play that, right? There's so many things. Pass that, it up with the wind. Yep. The I biggest, just, the biggest thing for us is always when we locate that buck, like day one, it's always like, how do we get there? Let's go, let's go. And it's like, oh, we might stay here two days watching this thing. Yeah. It's like, why? He's right there. I'm like, I know, but we don't know what he's going to do. Yep. When we go 500 yards, it's going to take us six hours to get there. I mean, I could run 500 yards and be, you know, dead tired. But the way we have to move to get there and not bust out deer on the way to them, it could take, I want to figure out a pattern. Is there some sort of pattern? Mule deer are a little tougher than whitetail. Um, whitetail kind of play the same same game as what you what you do in michigan they, they have some sort of a pattern they like to stick to what they know mm-hmm. mule deer they're kind of all they're wild cards i mean sometimes they have a pattern and then like they'll have a pattern for three or four days you got them and then one day they just up and do something different just because mm-hmm. you know yeah i don't want you to undersell like how hard <laughs> it is. yeah i don't want you to undersell how hard it is to get close to deer in that kind of terrain because when it's I was a hunting, we would like, you know, there's terrain, like it's not just always flat. There's, there's rolling hills and there's like these, I call them like hidden sloughs, like where you park the truck, you get to walk like three miles and you come over this little rise and it's like, there's just a slough, just like, and sloughs just yeah. sometimes has water and cattails and you like <clears throat> you barely crest over this hill and you're just standing there and you're like hundreds of yards away from it. And you look and whitetails are just running away. I'm like, what like yeah. that's so far away how did they pick me up that quick so like i've always like just been an astonishment that you can obviously there's tricks and like you've learned through experiences but like yeah you can see a long ways but you have to get your butt within bow range of that animal wild animal that's got way better eyesight than <clears> us <throat> and they want to survive like they don't want to die so i every time i see a success you know picture in the in the, the western states or whatever and knowing like a spot stock it's like I've been out there. I've spent, you know, I've drove the last time I was in North Dakota. We, I drove a thousand miles there. And then in the week of hunting, I drove a thousand miles and then a thousand miles back. <laughs> so like we covered yeah. all over North Dakota. Like I've been, I've drove all around that. 
and uh right and it's it's just i it, i can see the addiction to it you know i can see why hearing you talk about this like knowing that and like you said you're you do your scouting and stuff but you you can't just like set a trail camera in a in a river bottom and be like yep he's gonna walk by this little camera that only has a small point of view because it's so vast you know like well, you can't really different. get that intel you know like that where you guys are at so like yeah you really have to rely on uh, intuition or like know what deer like to do and, and i'm sure then when you start that hunt that first morning when day breaks and you find that guy you're just like yeah let's go we got yeah. this we're in the chips you know because you don't have like intel yeah. like we ha- like right now on my phone you know every three hours i get updates on my cameras you know and i have a pretty good idea right. what's going on on multiple properties from that you don't really have right. that that you know that lifestyle out there I mean, I can, I can put some stuff out. I do have trail cameras. I do, you know, we're, you know, we're talking an expanded view, 13,000 acres, uh, our West river property, you know, over a thousand acres on our East river property, um, to own that many cameras, you know, I'm not, uh, we have some sponsorships game cameras is not one of them, (laughs) unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Hit him up. But if like, anyone wants a good, you know, a good area to run a lot of cameras, Corey's got the space. So if yeah, anyone wants to listen to this. Yeah, anyone want to help me out use. here. <laughs> and then <laughs> right after that, you need a battery. And and everything. Yeah. And right after that, you need a battery sponsorship because, geez. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. So, but like, you know, being able to set up a camera can work in certain situations with whitetail, even mule deer. Um, but you know, I have, I've not found anything better than sitting on a hill and glassing for 12 hours. And then the next day going to the point where I couldn't see and glassing for 12 hours and finding them and then just watching. I mean, when I say glassing, you know, we're watching deer for a while, but it's not like sitting in a tree stand or in a blind and watching deer that come in at 200 yards. We're talking 800 yards, thousand yards. We're watching them. We're, we're picking them off. We're getting a little closer. The next time we go out finding the mannerisms, trying to figure out where they're moving. And, you know, over the time that I've been out here, I kind of know where they like to be, but it's still 13,000 acres. I mean, there's still stuff that I, you know, I know I haven't touched every bit of it, but, um, definitely stuff even that I've touched that I don't, have memorized about how they access i mean there's case in point there's a there's a fence i wanted to be on for a stalk just to start the stalk as long as the deer turned the right way and the wind was right and i thought they were going to come over and hop a fence and we were going to be right in it and like three weeks prior had broke through the gate or through a fence like I don't know, 800 yards to the east of where we were sitting like two weeks prior. And those deer came up to the fence. They were going to do exactly what I thought they were. All the grass was beaten down that they've been jumping it this entire time. And they walked up to the opening instead of jumping the fence just because the opening was now there. And it, I mean, it just, it, it changes so fast out there. Um, and then even having to deal with the cattle. I mean, these are cattle ranches that we got to deal mm-hmm. with. These are, you know, 1,200 cow-calf pairs. I've got an idea of where I want to go. And, I, you know, I know what paddock they're in, but that doesn't mean that the deer are going to be like, hey, the cows are here. I can't be in this paddock either. So, mm-hmm. um, And one ugly thing about cows is for some reason when you're out there, they want to, they draw interest real quick. Yeah, they want to be right do. next to you and make noises and yeah. draw attention. And every other animal's like, Hey, what's going on over there? 
Yeah. Stupid There's cows. Times where we've seen, <laughs> we've seen, I mean, some of the biggest deer and I, I'm not saying this just cause they got away. You know, the, the, the fish always get bigger when they get away, but it, not the <laughs> biggest deer, but some of the biggest deer that we've had, um, where they're in the middle of a cow pasture and it's, there's no way to get there when there's 1200 cow calf pairs. There's, it's just, it doesn't matter which way the wind's blowing. It doesn't matter if it's no. blowing 50. I mean, and, and that's another part of spot and stock where, you know, we're sleeping in wall tents at a West river property. Uh, and calm days are days that I don't look forward to. Um, in river breaks, everything swirls, your thermals are just as bad mm-hmm. as they are in the mountains. Obviously they intensify in the mountains, but, um, you kind of get a little lackadaisical in a river break because you don't think about the thermals as much. Um, I've killed all my deer out here in 20 plus mile an hour winds. And it's, you spend a lot of time on glass being really cold and you find <laughs> a deer, you get downwind and I mean, you can get, you, I mean, it's, and you, you know, I, I don't want to make it sound like it's the easiest thing in the world. You can get within 20 yards of them. I mean, they will sit there and hunker the winds in South Dakota, North Dakota. They're no joke. I mean, it's, it's been an eye opener for me the last five years being out here, 50 mile an hour winds, 30, 40 mile an hour winds. Um, yep. and then doing it archery, you got to get 20 yards. So <laughs> there's not yep. much you can do about it, but. A pheasant can go really fast in a 30 mile an hour wind. I found that out like, holy moly. <laughs> yeah. I think they've, I think they've been clocked at like 25 miles an hour. That's without wind. And yeah. you watch them like turn sideways. Dude, you can't lead them far. It's enough. not even worth yes. wasting ammo. <laughs> no, you cannot touch them. You cannot. Touch They're like, them. What? I have clients so that will be hunting in wind, and they'll be like, well, where was I? I'm like, you're behind them. Are you yeah, sure? You're... you're across the field. How'd you see that? I'm like, I just know. It's you just know it. 35 yeah. miles an hour out here. You were not far enough ahead. <laughs> no, you were not leading them enough. That's for sure. That's great. So, yeah, I mean, I'm super intrigued by like your, you know, your whitetail hunts because of like what you touched on, like that wall tent kind of thing. So like, if you want to, if someone like wants to kind of have like that adventure, like hunt, you guys offer that, which is pretty cool, you know, and you get to do, you get to get out of, you know, your comfort zone and kind of work your way West. I mean, that was one of the reasons why we did the bear hunt because like, I, I we really like to go on elk hunt someday, you know, like that was kind of like our, that's something I think a lot of people from like our Michigan Midwest area want to do that. Well, like that's a really big financial commitment to go do that and mountains and traveling and logistics and all that. Like where you guys are in South Dakota, you can drive that if you want. No, no big deal. You know, you can, but you can also have the opportunity to fly in and do that kind of thing. But for someone who's like a Midwest guy that wants to get out there and kind of, you know, have that, you know, middle of nowhere feel, you know, kind of like you're just out there hunting this sounds just like right up the, your alley, you know, doing that. Yeah, and, there, there's an adventure to it. Whether you're staying at the lodge here, East river or, you know, the West river camp, it's definitely a little more adventure in the West river camp and the, in the wall tents and everything. But, um, you know, you can kind of pick and choose what you want to do. Obviously there's, there's more mule deer West river. Uh, it's, it's a little more rustic, but, uh yeah i mean absolutely it's it's within driving distance i think to get back to grand rapids from where we are here it's it's like 13 hours and i've got two kids so um you could you could push it if you're by yourself or with your hunting partner um Mm -hmm. easy i've got to make stops for two kids so 
<laughs> yeah, dude, you can do that no problem. I mean, that's yeah. uh, that's what's awesome about that. You get to that. It's a whole different world in 13 hours from you know Grand Rapids, which is pretty cool. You know, that's a cool. And it experience. really changes. It changes drastically. It's not like it slowly changes through Wisconsin, Minnesota. I mean, Wisconsin, Minnesota are just like Michigan, and then as soon as you get to you know past Sioux Falls of South Dakota, it starts mm-hmm. changing quick to yeah. the to the prairie. Um, and I mean, I love the mountains and everything, and I I'd give anything to to own some property out there or a cabin somewhere. I, I, we're looking in Idaho trying to find something, but like the, everything the prairie offers is, is it's fun. Now the wind can beat you up a little bit, but I have a little gur, I guess, yeah. to get through it. It's good stuff. <laughs> like, what'd you say? You're, how many people are in the town you live in? Would you say 700? 700. Yeah, yeah. So there's, you're outnumbered by cows and pheasants for sure. You know, and, and wild. Uh, that's just there. in the pasture next to us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely a different experience. So what, um, yeah. So I guess if there's any kind of other, like maybe a little tidbit that you can give from like, like someone who like me, let's say like I've, so maybe I'm not the best example because I've been hunting out of state for like, you know, 10 years so i've been to missouri i've been to iowa i've been to illinois kentucky all these states and i we try to do a hunt every year someone who's like maybe on the fence that's never you know done a guided you know whitetail thing or a uh you know uh out-of-state journey from my perspective looking at this i have spent quite a bit of money me and my dad we've never done a full guided whitetail hunt but we've done semi-guided and we've done, we've always tried really hard to vet, you know, before we go, like either using yeah. social media or lots of phone calls and we've been burned. Like I've spent a lot of money, me and my dad for that five or six day hunt, um, to get to a spot where we were told no one's hunted here yet this year. And then, yep, you can hang your stands wherever you want. And then we do like a little scout around and it's like, dude, this place has been pounded. Like there's human sign everywhere. Um, you know, you, you see, you see trees that have, you know, stands in them that they, the people left and, you know, you got tracks and all that. And then it's just, you're hunting. It's almost worse than hunting in Michigan because it's been just blown out. Um, well, and you don't know it either. That's exactly, yeah. it's a new thing. So this kind of a hunt is super intriguing, I think, and you can probably back this up, but you're going to go to a place that's vast that is, you know, you can't just blow it up. Like you're seeing stuff from a distance, you know, and you're, if you do like that rut kind of hunt you're finding new, like you said, you get surprised sometimes with bucks and like, this is like a different kind of an experience. It's almost like if you're going to spend the money on something, give this a shot. Like I, there's, there's, there's good opportunities in the prairie like situation where you're at to have that kind of land that you can just go and enjoy. And then you get to do the rustic side of it, like wall tent, you know, kind of thing. It's just, you know, there's a lot more things to offer with that kind of a hunt. Yeah. I think, um, you know, doing a more spot and stock especially whitetail um obviously mule deer that's kind of how a lot of people do it anyway but um a whitetail opportunity to do spot and stock is a it's a once in a lifetime that will keep you coming back i mean it's addicting don't i mean i'm not gonna say do it once and you'll be satisfied and you're gonna keep coming back and that's that doesn't have to be guided there's there's plenty of public land out here that's that's uh up for the taking as far as like how archery goes in south dakota um it is it's an over-the-counter um and for like west river you can either do an east river or west river um or you can get like a a state tag so you get both 
um, but they're any deer. So you can shoot a whitetail or you can shoot a mule deer, um, depending on where you're going. So, um, it's, it's fairly easy to figure out on the website. If anyone, you know, if anybody needed help game fishing parks, anyone can obviously reach out to me at any time, but, um, whether you want to do guided or not, or just get Intel, um, yeah, I mean, being able to come out and kind of scout some land, if you know a little bit about whitetail, you're going to be able to find them. Um, having a guide obviously helps guides who care. Uh, Nate, you know, touched on being burned. I've been burned before and I'm in this industry. This is what I do full time. And I've met people and want to go out and people that need dogs. And, you know, we kind of trade a hunt here or there and it doesn't turn out the way it's supposed to. And, (laughs) um, it, it happens to be able to vet somebody is, you know, if I found out the best way to do that, I would have, I would have done it by now because every time I hear a story like that, like Nate just said, um, it makes me look bad, whether mm-hmm. directly it does, or I'm just overthinking it. Um, I put my heart and soul into this and to hear people get burned on it, I feel like makes every phone call that I take that much harder to, to secure. Um, spend the time on the phone, ask them to be on the phone is, is the best way that I've found. Uh, as far as if you are looking for a guide, whether it be South Dakota, anywhere else, um, spend the time with them. If they want you to come hunt with them, they will spend the time with you. If, if they don't and they're busy, which we are right. It may not be, Hey, right now, right. I may be scouting. If you're calling me for a couple weeks and I've got zero service when I get back, um, either if I haven't reached out, reach back out and we'll talk, but try to get them on the phone and talk to them. It's, yep. it's very hard to, Unfortunately, with, especially with new technology, with AI stuff, I've seen some crazy stuff this, this year with, uh, these generated responses, um, yeah. get on the phone and talk to your guide, um, your potential guide, uh, and talk to other guides too. And here's, here's a tip that I don't think anyone's going to like, but if you have a guide and you ask them about another guide or an outfitter and they dog them immediately, I can guarantee you that the one you're talking to that's dogging someone else is not the one to go with either. Yep. So, um, there are plenty of hunters. There's plenty of clients out here for everybody. Um, if somebody's actually done something wrong, sure. Uh, but to just go out and out of your way and dog someone for a clientele list, I think that's, that's, yep. That's, that's solid advice, man. And like you, you, you nailed, you nailed on the head. Like I'm in construction. So every handyman who has burned a homeowner or every horror story you read on Facebook or social media, every time you've heard, I paid all this money and it only got halfway done. The guy left. I feel, I like take that personally, you know, because that's yeah. just my, that's just the career I'm in. And it just, I just hate that that is like, you, you and of course you hear the bad more than you hear the good or the bad you know sticks around a little longer but yeah like that's the right. last thing i want to do is to have that and you know you guys as you know having a, you know outfitting and that kind of thing you're providing a service for these guys and you just want what's best for hunters you want a good time you want to do that you're obviously you're making a living doing it but if you really broke down with how much time you guys put into what you do and how much money you do make in a year, <laughs> there's a lot of other things you can do to make that same money and not have to work so much, but you get the enjoyment and you get to live the life that you and your family want to live. Like you said, you got a wife and two kids and like you're living that you're living that lifestyle that, you know, that is how you wanted your family to go. And it's just a passion. And I mean, yeah. I, 
I'm looking from the outside in and having this conversation with you. It's very apparent that you you're tore up with this and you love doing it. So I mean, yeah, that's, uh, that's especially all now. I mean, doing this, doing the podcast now. We have clients here right now. The opener is the non-resident opener is tomorrow morning. Uh, we have our our corporate group here for pheasants. I just got back from West River for from grouse and our last uh, archery deer hunt for a couple weeks. I've got guides out there still, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I live for this time of year. It is. Uh, I'm excited for it. You got me uh, all got, fired up, man. Like I got, coming. I like you got I'm this. Sure you good stuff. See me looking off my shoulder here. I got coyotes out here. I'm sitting on our front porch. I got coyotes running through our tree belt right now. Oh, I can geez. hear them all. But um, yeah. <laughs> it's. Uh, yeah, I think just you know to get back to finding a guide. The last thing I want is for anyone to get to get burned on something that, you know, the business that I choose for sure, and not that any other business is easier, but it, you know, we, we're a want business. This is something that nobody has to go do. No one has to pay a guy. They don't have to pay me to do anything. Um, and reputation is everything. Uh, and it is with every business. I'm not saying it's not, um, but it is, is something that I take personally when, when stuff like this happens, I, I love every minute of it. And if there's any way that I can help, if it's even trying to help you with public land, I, I don't care. I mean, my passion for the outdoors, you know, Nate, I mean, he mentioned Tony, uh, his brother, Nick, I, everyone that we kind of grew up with. I think everyone knows my passion for the outdoors and how much that I love it. If it's just helping someone get successful in the outdoors whatever that may happen however that is fishing hunting whatever it is I'll, I'll help as much as possible so um and finding that person is is tough to do there's a lot of people out there. there's a lot of good guides all over um but try to talk to them on the phone and vet them as, as best you can that way so plug what your place is you know i don't know if we really even talked about that like kind of give a little thing let people know who they can reach out to what they got to look up and yeah, obviously in the show notes, I can, I'll have this too, but yeah, we're, what, what are you like? What is your name, your lodge or whatever? What is all that? So our lodge is grand CL lodge, C I E L lodge. Um, we're in Plankinton, South Dakota, a town of 700. Uh, my dog training business is the dog park P R K spelt P R K for park. Um, and the, the website and everything will be on there. We do dog training pointers and retrievers. Um, and then our hunting business is sharp tail, um, prairie chickens, pheasant. I do head down South and travel guide a little bit after our season here, our wild bird season, but, uh, we do deer hunts, white tail and mule deer. If you, if the spot and stock isn't your game and you want to do more stand hunting, that's what we have kind of east river where our lodge is and then if you know adding just that little extra adventure is is where you think that you sit going sleeping in a wall tent for six or seven days spot and stock and the prairies of south dakota you know maybe maybe that's more up your alley that's that's a fun time too so um anybody wants to reach out i'm sure my email and everything will be right on there uh anyone can contact us anytime so Perfect. Well, let's end it on that, man. I thank you for doing this and uh, hopping on. I have a very sneaking suspicion this is not going to be the last time that you're on Michigan Wild because I uh, I'm I love this kind of a conversation. This is something that 
I've over, I, I have done for years talking to people and doing this. And now I get to record it and do this thing. So I appreciate taking time and doing this. And anytime I can help someone out that's, you know, chasing their dream and doing that, like I'm taking advantage of that. So thank you for doing this, Corey, man. And uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode of Michigan Wild. And uh, like Corey was saying, you know, just get out there, go out there, walk around. If you had a dog or maybe you don't just spend time outside and, you know, be open-minded. It's kind of like what he was touching on earlier. Like maybe you're shed hunting, but look at for more things, or maybe you're just out there enjoying, enjoying the creation and just see what you can learn and just try to be better. And, uh, you will not be disappointed. Thanks guys. Yeah. Yep. Thank you.